You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. To our fellow New York Met fans, welcome to a happy edition of Rico Bronia. That's right. We're going to make everybody smile. Everybody's going to be in a good mood, no matter what the hell's going on in your life right now, no matter how you feel about this New York Met franchise, we are about to make you smile because we are not going to do a depressing edition of Rico Bronia. We're going to do a happy edition of Rico Bronia because today we are going to debate Pete and I and everybody listening, the greatest season in the history of the New York Mets. All right, we're done. 1986, 1969. That's the podcast, everybody. We'll see you next time. If only it was that simple. Obviously, if you experienced 1969, if you experienced 1986, I can't imagine how the debate would go further than that. You win a championship. That's the greatest season you've ever had. Period. Stop. Like, there is no further discussion. Unfortunately, for many of us, not just me, many of us, it isn't as simple as that because we don't have that championship. I am 40 years old. 40. 4 0. I was three in 1986. 1986 isn't even a memory because I don't remember it as a three year old. I have no memories as a three-year-old, and I'm kind of glad I don't have any memories because it would feel cheap if I had like little tiny bitty memories of a world championship that wouldn't have meant anything to me at the time because I was too young to understand what it actually means. So for all of us, or most of us, under the age of 40 or 41 or 42, whatever that cutoff is, the debate on the greatest season in Met history is a little bit more complicated. Sure, you could say winning the pennant is the best. Problem is, it also involves losing and losing brutally. And to many people listening, that would be a disqualifier. You'd almost rather have a season that was fun and innocent and didn't have that kind of horrible ending. So we'll go through the years that I put up there as my favorite years. Pete will mention his favorite years, and we'll obviously have a nice back and forth. The inspiration for this podcast was that earlier in the offseason, we did the exact opposite. Because 2023 was such a disaster, uh, there was certainly a thought that it was the worst season in the history of the franchise. And we debated it. We talked about the other kind of bad years this franchise had in terms of meeting expectations. Was 2023 the worst? I decided for me it wasn't. For Pete, it was. There were other years that were up there. I talked heavily about 2017. Bottom line is if you don't want to be happy, and you don't want to think about positive memories, that's okay. You can stop this podcast right now 
and go into the archives and listen to the depressing edition of Rico Bronia, where we talked about the worst seasons in the history of the New York Mets. So it's completely up to you right now. You have a choice during this holiday season. Happy? Sad. If you want sad, we got it for you. And why stop there? Why stop by just listening to us debating the worst seasons in the history of the New York Mets? Go deeper into the podcast. Listen to us talk at the end of last season. (laughs) Or listen to any podcast we did throughout the 2023 season. Or when they traded everybody away. I mean, you got a lot of options. So this is a rare one. This is a rare one where we are going to smile and we are going to be happy. Because we're going to talk about the best seasons in the history of the New York Mets. But let's start with a little game called expectations. Expectations matter. When you come into a season with high expectations and things are disastrous, that's where you get one of the worst seasons of all time. But isn't it cool when you go into a season and your expectations are sort of limited and then you get something much bigger than you expected? So I had mentioned this when we talked about worst seasons in Met history. I looked at every over-under the New York Mets have ever had since 1990. All the way back to 1990, that's the earliest I've ever seen an over-under. And I looked and I said, where did the Mets overachieve the most? What season has the Mets overachieving based on the expected win total, based on over-under, the most? And we do have an answer. By the way, the underachieving occurred a hell of a lot more than the overachieving. That does not surprise you, Pete, right? That That's not a big surprise? Not, not at all. I'm, I'm, but I, I'm interested to hear what the, the uh, where they overachieved, because I feel like there's one year that sticks out to me, but I think that's obvious. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely wrong. Is it, is it 2015? 2015, the New York Mets overachieved based on their over-under by seven and a half games. Their expected over-under was 82 and a half, and they won 90 games. There are two other seasons, two other seasons that had a bigger overachievement than 2015. And both of them are kind of in that same area of 12 and 12 and a half games. There was one year where they overachieved by 12 and a half games based on their over-under. There was another year where they overachieved by 12 games, so pretty much the same number. And here are the two years. Are you ready? It was not 2015, but it was a damn good guess because that was third on the list. 2022, which was only a year ago when their over-under was 88 and a half and they won 101 games. The other year, 1997. That was the year they had an over-under of 76 and they went out and won 88 games that season, overachieving by 12. Let's start with that season though, because... I think what's a little funky about 2022 is that the Mets had high expectations. When your over-under is 88 and a half, that's an expectation of being a playoff team. That's the expectation of being a very good team. If you look at the Met history, there aren't many years in which their over-under is higher than 88 and a half. They just won so many effing games, 101 of them, that they blew past their over-under. Similarly, the Yankees, like if you play this game with the Yankees, one of their more uh, overachieving seasons was 1998. Yeah, because they won 114 games. <laughs> and their, their over-under was 97. 
So yeah, they overachieved by 17 and a half games because they won an absurd amount of games. So I think there's a big difference between what happened in terms of overachieving in 2022 and overachieving in 1997. 1997 was an insanely fun season because in the previous year, 1996, the Mets went 71 and 91. And forget what they just did in 96. 95, they were under 500. 94, before the strike, they were under 500. 93, they lost 103 games. 92, they lost 90 games. 1991, they lost 85 games. So going into the 97 season, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, that's six consecutive losing seasons. A lot of losing. And and I remember as a 13, 14-year-old not thinking much was going to change. Like, why would anything change in 1997? In 1996, the Mets had these three historical offensive seasons from Bernard Gilkey, Todd Hundley, and Lance Johnson, and it meant shit. It didn't mean anything. They lost 91 games. So 97 was a real stunner that they won 88 games. They had a lot of games that season. There was one late in the year against the Expos where Carl Everett hit a game-time grand slam in the ninth inning off of Uga Thurbina. And then Bernard Gilkey won the game a few innings later, like his classic out of nowhere come from behind victory. So 97 was, I got to tell you, for a year in which they did not make the playoffs because they didn't, uh, they were in a pseudo pennant race. Like they were trailing the uh, the Florida Marlins by what seemed to be like between three and five games in the wild card race a lot throughout the month of September. So they were never really in it, in it. But for me, it was our my first pennant race, even if it wasn't really a pennant race, because they were in it. You know, you could at least look at the standings every morning and make an argument of why they're alive. So I don't know what your memories are of 1997, but that was a damn fun year when you consider where they had been, what their expectations were, and then the fact they were able to go out there and win 88 games. Unfortunately for me, I don't remember as much because I just remember I'm in a I'm living in a Yankee household, so I feel like a lot of Yankee memories popped in there, and the Mets memories were like trying to fight off the fact that the Yankees <laughs> won a World Series. So that that that's where a lot of it comes from. I think a lot of the better memories start to pop up in the '99 2000s. For me. Well, it's funny when you say the Yankees. One thing that was also very enjoyable about that 1997 season is that was the first year of interleague play. That was the first time interleague play existed. So for our younger uh, listeners, for those, I guess I'd say under the age of 30, maybe 30, 35 years old, you don't remember a world where there was no interleague play. And I barely do too, honestly. I mean, my first year really remembering baseball was about 1992. So you're talking about a five-year run of there not being interleague play. But those days going into Mets-Yankees in 1997, and before that, the Mets played the Red Sox. The first ever interleague game the Mets ever played was June 13th, 1997 against the Red Sox. Why I remember the date? I'll give you a reason why I remember the day. I remember the day because it was Friday the 13th. And for whatever reason, that jumped out at me. And it was just bizarre, bizarre that the New York Mets were facing the Boston Red Sox. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over the fact that my entire life I was told about Mets Red Sox in the 86 World Series, watching the old videos. And now the Boston Red Sox are coming to Shea Stadium 11 years later. 
never made any sense. So there was a lot of excitement about the Mets even playing the Red Sox. And then three days later, Monday night, Yankee Stadium, the first ever Subway Series game, a game that is still near and dear to all of our hearts and will be in my book that's coming out April 3rd. Dave Malicki walks his ass in a Yankee Stadium and delivers the best performance of his career, striking out Derek Jeter with that bendy curveball to finish it. And the Mets beating the Yankees in the first ever Subway Series game. They can't take that away from us. Sorry, they can't take it away from us. Now, did the Yankees win game two of that series? Yes. Did they win the rubber game on a Wednesday afternoon on a game-winning hit by Tino Martinez? Yes, they did. Did they get the last laugh on the first ever Met Yankee series? Yes, they did. Have they won basically the season series almost every time? Yes, they have. But that first game is mine. That first game is ours. They can't take that some bitch away from us. They can't take that memory of Dave Malicki dealing. And I do think that adds to the 97 season, that you did have that first ever season of interleague play. So that's up there. That's in my top five as one of the most fun seasons in New York Met history, 1997. Uh, as far as 2022 is concerned, as the other overachieving year, I got to be honest with you, and, and maybe this is age. Maybe this is expectation. Not that fun. <laughs> Not that fun. I think the end of the season spoils it so badly that I don't know if I'll ever go back and look at 2022 in this light of, oh, that was fun, the way I just did 1997. I just talked about a season, Pete, in a glowing fashion in which they were barely in a pennant race. They didn't make it. 2022, I think it's what happened against Atlanta and obviously what happened against San Diego that just makes makes me look at that season and say it was a big year in terms of wins. I, yeah, certainly there were fun moments in the middle of it, but they totally ruined it by the choke job at the end of the season. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? So I'll disagree with a little bit because the end of the season was bad, but the whole way they had they they were winning games, the way they were winning games. So the ending listen, if you're not winning a World Series, the ending's gonna suck no matter what. So I but at least I walked in there feeling that the that this team is gonna be good and they delivered. Like that to me was special. Watching the Pete Alonzo home run versus the Cardinals to walk off home run. Like that was that was special. And you just felt that every time this team went out there was gonna they were gonna do something to find a way to win. And and they did for the most part. All right, let's let's pinpoint this then because you bring up something that that is true, which is hey, anytime you're gonna get knocked out, it's gonna be bitter. Well, let's take another bitter knockout season and pit it right up against twenty twenty two. And that's two thousand six. In two thousand six, the New York Mets were clearly the best team in the National League. And they were the best team in the National League by a country mile. They got to the NLCS. They lose in the seventh game to the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was as bad of an ending as one could have. Probably a worse ending in terms of pain than anything that happened in 2022. Yet, without even skipping a beat, 2006 had enough fun moments. And as bad as the ending is, I would still put 06 way 
ahead of 2022. And I think a part of that is they gave me some success. They won their division. We had the clinching kind of party that night against the Marlins in September. So you had that. You had your classic victory, similar to what you just talked about in 2022. Specifically, the game that jumps out at me is Carlos Beltran against the Phillies in like the 19th inning or whatever it was against Ryan Madsen. But then you had postseason success. You sweep the LA Dodgers. We have that moment where they get the double play with the two outs out at the plate with Duke tagging two guys. We have that. Uh, as much as I don't like to celebrate the Andy Chavez catch because they lost the game, you got the Andy Chavez catch. You have fighting back and winning game six of that series and even getting it to a seventh game. As bad as that loss is, and, and pound for pound, it could be the worst loss in the history of the franchise. I would say 2006 was five times more exciting and pleasurable than the 2022 season because I don't feel like they ever finished any job. The 06 team finished the job of winning the division and winning a series. The 2022 team finished what? The wild card job and then got beat up in their own building? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I get it. But if you... The the accomplishment is not the same. And I get it. And the disappointment level is bad because of everything you just said. But, and I I don't deny, the 06 is, I think, a better season that is one that what I appreciated more. But for twenty twenty two though, again you go through the entire season, the ups and downs. There weren't many downs until the end. The ups were so good. And that's what I'm looking if I'm watching the season, we talk about it right, the expectations are huge. You you have none and you find your way into a World Series. Yeah, that's amazing. That's incredible. To get to to, to win in this moment in 2022, it's it's we need something to root for. We need something as as a whole. They built a team, they built a squad. There was a lot of hype around it, and for the most part, it was good. The playoffs were a complete crapshoot. I get it. I cannot. I can, I cannot 
fight you and even disregard and even uh, say that you're wrong on that. But for the regular season, maybe the best regular seasons of all time. <laughs> I can't say it's the best regular season of all time when you can't win the division. I, I, I this may sound crazy. They win the division. They win the division. They win one game against the Braves, and then they get destroyed by the Phillies in the divisional series. So you follow the Braves' script of win the division. You don't have to deal with the wild card round, but then you lose to a rival in the divisional series. I think there's a chance I'd feel differently about it. I think the fact that they couldn't even win the division and couldn't even get to the real playoffs, that's probably what pushes me towards this was not a fun season. But is it is it their fault that other teams were better than them? It was when they couldn't win a game in Atlanta. In, in general, you're right. You know, in general, it sucks that you happen to share a division with a team that won 101 games as well. But I think it's the fact that they had the division in front of them with three games against the Braves with their best pitchers on the mound, and they couldn't win a game. They they couldn't win a game. And I think that just kills me for it. I'll give you another playoff season that I thought had its fun moments. It's it's a weird one. It's 2016 because the Mets were bad for most of 2016. And in the middle of August, I think most of us just assumed, okay, just not our year. They had a ton of injuries that year. Matt Harvey was banged up. Jacob DeGrom ended up getting hurt. Um, everybody was hurt outside of Noah Syndergaard. Zach Wheeler was still hurt. And the Mets went on this just miraculous September run. So it's weird to call it a fun season when the season was not fun. It was a fun month because September was amazing. Uh, One game that jumped out at me was the Asdrubal Cabrera game against the Philadelphia Phillies, but the Mets pulled it off and somehow made the postseason. If they had beaten the Giants in that wild card game, I think I would have put 2016 up there with a lot of other seasons because they were so banged up. I don't think any of us had the expectations of they have to get back to the World Series. Their postseason rotation, if they had gotten to the real postseason, was going to feature Robert Gazelman and Seth Lugo and Bartolo Colon. What holds me back on 16 was I am so bitter about that wild card game loss. It was such a brutal loss. Madison Bumgarner barely breaking a sweat, barely throwing any pitches, losing on a home run to Connor Gillespie. I think if they steal that game and then get swept by the Cubs in the divisional series, I'd have put 16 up there with a lot of other years. But I'm A, bitter about losing that wild card game to the Giants. And then really most of the season wasn't fun. It was just a really good month and a half where somehow, some way, they made the playoffs, which, looking back on that roster, Pete, if you ever look back at that lineup that they were putting out there every day in September, and who was in that rotation, it is a miracle that they found a way to win enough games to make the postseason. No, it was, and that's why we, if they won that wildcard game for Tom Garner, I didn't expect that there was zero expectations after that. I mean, there really wasn't. It was just, exactly. wow, it's amazing. But yeah, 2016, I, it was, I felt differently than you in that season because I felt like they missed the boat on making a bigger jump with this roster. With making like roster. a bigger trade at the deadline or before well, the season before uh, started? The season start, before the season started, I felt, you know, because I'm a Murphy guy, so the fact that they got rid of Daniel Murphy, that bothered the hell out of me. They, they, they brought in... Could, 
listen, Azdrubal had a decent season. Neil Walker did all right. But again, like I felt like, you know, you pivoted from one of the real reasons you guys succeeded in the playoffs to a couple older guys because, what, you're trying to save a buck? I don't know. And I think that they never did anything. The biggest move was basically bringing back, uh, you know, Cespedes. And to me, that's just staying the same. Yeah, and that is what you just described is the Wilpon era. <laughs> that was like, think about 2000. You know, 2000 into 2001, it was sort of the same thing. You just got to the World Series. You lose Mike Hampton. A-Rod wants to be on your team. And your answer is Kevin Apier who, you know, we talked about him in a previous podcast. Kevin Napier was okay, but I think the story of the Wilpon era is never going that extra mile, is when you're close, not kind of going for the gusto, if you will. So I totally get that. 2015 may win this for me, and we'll break that down a little bit more later, but that run and everything about the story of how they got there was just scintillating. And I, I know the pennant years are always going to be the two that you look at and say, well, that has to be the most fun season. 2015 to me was a lot more fun than 2000. And I'll explain why. There's a few reasons for this. Number one, in 2000, we came in with high expectations. Remember, in the previous season, we had gotten to the NLCS and lost to our arch rival Atlanta Braves. Couldn't get past them. So coming into 2000, it was, hey, can we get past Atlanta? Uh, we better get to the World Series. That was one of those rare seasons in Met history where, yeah, we went in saying, we better get to the World Series. Anything less would be a disappointment. We had just gotten to the sixth game of the NLCS. And I don't want to minimize that 2000 wasn't fun. It was. I'm just going to explain why 15 has it beat. Because in comparison to what I just said, what were the expectations in 2015? We started this by talking about over-unders. The Met over-under in 2015 was 82 and a half. The Mets over-under in 2000 was 90 and a half. They were coming off of a season in which they won 97 games. The Mets were coming off of a season in which they won 79 games. So I think we all thought in 2015, it's time to make the jump. This should be a playoff team, but not a World Series team. I don't think anybody was thinking going into 2015, the Mets were going to jump from all those consecutive losing seasons, it was five at the time, to jumping and getting to a World Series. So the expectations were different. That's number one. Number two, there is a small, 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 small part of me. It's very tiny, I admit. That still looks at 2000 and says the only reason we got to the World Series is because someone else did our dirty work. We didn't beat the Braves. The Cardinals did. And I don't know if we ever would have beaten the Atlanta Braves. Now, ultimately, does that matter? No. Mets win the World Series that year. I'd be on that parade drunk and naked. I wouldn't care that we didn't beat the Atlanta Braves. But sitting here all these years later, we're talking about this 24 years later. So now we got time to think about it. Can we all be honest with ourselves? We needed someone else to do our dirty work. That's the reality. Were we beating the Atlanta Braves in a rematch in the 2000 National League Championship Series? I'll tell you the answer. We weren't. We never beat those bastards. And we weren't beating them then. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, in the moment, did I give a crap that we didn't get past Atlanta? I did not. Didn't bother me then. It doesn't even bother me now. It's more just a, um, it's a statement. It's just a statement of fact. It's a little tiny turd in the back of my mind that I know we didn't get past Atlanta. And let's not bury the lead. Let's not bury the number one reason why 2000 was not more fun than 2015. I mean, do we have to say it or can we just move on? We lost to the effing Yankees. Sorry, needed to get that out. No, it's okay. I think we could have just moved on. <laughs> I didn't have to say that. <laughs> no. So 2015, here, here's all the cool stuff about 2015. 2015 was like, you know, I'm a wrestling fan. 2015 was like a tremendous WWE storyline. Like all the twists, the turns, and then the ultimate WrestleMania moment. That's what I think 2015 was. They got off to a great start. Then they couldn't hit. Then they were hitting John Mabry cleanup. And then all of a sudden, we're treating Juan Uribe and Kelly Johnson like we just acquired Ty Cobb and Pete Rose. And then the Cespedes trade. And the Wilmer Flores tears. And the Wilmer Flores home run. And then just blowing past the Nationals, beating the crap out of them, and taking the division running away from it and turning what appeared to be this disastrous collapse in July and this mess of we're letting a player get traded on the field, still have an at-bat, cry his eyes out, and we turned it into this incredible story. And then think about the postseason. You play an all-time classic best-of-five series against the L.A. Dodgers, just an absolute classic. From what happened in game one, David Wright getting a huge hit to break the game open and beat Clayton Kershaw, to the controversies of game two with Chase Utley taking out Ruben Tejada, to the back and forth of winning game three, losing game four, to this edge of your seat, all-time game, game five against the Dodgers. I mean, that was an all-time game with the Grom battling through, guys being on base and runs being scored to Daniel Murphy's incredible postseason, to Noah Syndergaard coming out of the bullpen, to Jairus Familia pulling a Mariano Rivera. That series was an absolute classic. Not to say that Giants-Mets in 2000 wasn't, because that was a great series too, especially with the way the Mets won game two to even that series up, and Benny Agbayani hitting the game-winning home run in game three, and Bobby Jones throwing a classic in game four. I'm not trying to minimize that, but that Dodger series was a classic. And then you sweep the Chicago Cubs. And Daniel Murphy continues this postseason just tirade. And you've got all this young, homegrown pitching. So different from 2000. 2000 was not nearly as homegrown as the 15 team was. And the 15 team just felt more organic. And the World Series was the same. I mean, pretty much was. Blowing game one on the road, losing a game two you never had a chance in, winning your one World Series game in a game three, losing a brutal game four, and losing a horrendous game five. 
I mean, essentially, it was the same World Series. The difference was one was against the Yankees. The other was against the Royals. I think 2015 destroys 2000 in terms of fun. Not even close. See, you're right because, again, like when I was talking about 2022, the memorable moments, obviously the, the playoff push, those series, there were so many memorable things going on. Um, and the regular season ha- had its ups and downs. But I got to be honest with you, I don't like, I didn't get as much joy out of that season as you did. Because the first half of the season, all I sat there was as a Met fan going like, it's fun to watch this team play, but I had zero expectations. I had zero thought of this team is going to make a serious push to the playoffs. So eventually that hit. The sensitive stuff really hit. So I really didn't get as much joy the whole season as I did other seasons. Like I August was a really good month. September was a really good month. But the first half was kind of just like blah. So you enjoy seasons more when there are higher expectations because in a weird way, isn't it easier when you go into a year thinking, hey, let's win 85 games and have some fun as compared to, hey, we better win the World Series or else this is a disaster. Here's the thing is, isn't that every year? Every year, it, it feels like to me as a Met fan, every year is, let's just see what happens. I want that year where the expectations are high. But wait, well, hold on. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that, especially anymore. I mean, think about this past year we had twenty twenty three. We came in with World Series or bust, bust expectations. Like if the Mets weren't in the World Series, uh, we were going to look at the season and say, "Hey, it was a disappointment." Especially considering what happened the year earlier. I think we live in a world where the expectations are probably going to be higher consistently than what they used to be because in the mid two thousands. What the hell were the the expectations were 77 wins. That's basically what it was every single season. But here's the fun thing about a pod like this. I can't argue with you about what you had fun with. That's what that's what you enjoy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's listening to each other and everyone forming their own opinions when you're listening at home. Because trust me, I know there's gonna be a lot of people that say, come on, now, 2015. It wasn't that much fun. When, as you described it, middle of July, we thought we were falling out of it. So it was really the last few months, but I just thought 2015 was this great story. It really did. It had all the the curves and the ups and the downs, and it just had everything. And look, ultimately, I wish we won the whole effing thing. I wish we had that championship, and there were moments briefly where I thought we were going to win it all. but. We never do. <laughs> it always well, ends badly. Well, Evan, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, in 2015, it was a great story, but we had to look back to see how amazing it was, right? There's other moments where I get to see, like, I guess I'm looking, like, from, like, a stretch from, like, 2005, which even though they didn't make the playoffs, but 05 to 08, and listen, three of those, three of those four seasons, they didn't make the playoffs either, but at least... It was like the path was there. They should have. Yeah. So 08 and 07 are obviously two of the worst seasons in Met history based on the way it ended. But you mentioned 2005. 2005, sneaky fun season. Sneaky fun season. They added Pedro Martinez going into the year. 
They added Carlos Beltran going into the year. They hired Willie Randolph. They got off to this terrible start. They lost their first five games, including that brutal opening day where Braden Looper collapsed. They win the finale against Atlanta. Then they start to play well, and they had moments where they were in the race. Ramon Castro hit this big home run against the Phillies. I think it was early September where it looked like, wow, the Mets could make the postseason, and then they fell out of it, and they ended up only winning 83 games. But 2005 had its fun moments because it was almost a return to being competent. That's the way I looked at it because 2002, 2003, and 2004 were so bad, and they were so mismanaged, and they were so boring to watch that 2005 was a lot better. So that's a sneaky, fun season. I think that season, unfortunately, was highlighted at times by that horrible injury between Cameron and Beltron, where they collided in San Diego. But we got to watch Pedro for a year. And Pedro Martinez, in that one year, unfortunately, it was only one year, was brilliant. You know, we had flashes of the old Pedro in that one season. He had a great, great year. It just sucks that it happened a year earlier. Because if that happens in 2006, and we get to see Pedro Martinez actually stay healthy and pitch in the playoffs in 2006, again, different things could have happened. Another great year was 99 because the Mets had had the surprise year of 97. They won 88 games. 98, they collapsed down the stretch. They did have the fun of trading for Mike Piazza, but ultimately they collapsed. They lost their last five games and, and missed the playoffs by one game. Think about that. 1999 was the year where it was fun all year. They're neck and neck with Atlanta. They're battling it out. They then collapse again, except they recover. And they finish strong at the end of the regular season. They win game 162. They force a game 163. They win the one-game playoff in Cincinnati. They win some classic games in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. One classic game, game one. Lose game two. And then win an absolute, an amazing Todd Pratt game winner against the Diamondbacks to win that series. And then obviously the Atlanta series was, it's tough to find that fun when you're down 3-0. But the slow crawl back, the moments of, holy crap, this could be the first team ever to come back from 3-0 down. In weird ways, 99 was more exciting than 2000. And a lot of it is, it's your first time. You know, for me, for, for our generation, that was our first time experiencing the postseason. And the expectations were far different the following year. And while it sucked losing on a game-winning walk by Kenny Rogers, 2000 was worse. losing with Luis Soho hitting 150 hopper up the middle and Mike Piazza hitting a ball that off the bat you think is getting out and then dying in center field. I'd put 99 over 2000. Well, all right. I 99 over 2000. I think I would. Yeah. The ending of 99 was so bad. What was the ending in 2000? Piazza hit the ball to the warning track and us losing to the Yankees at Shea Stadium? But they made it to the World Series. I mean, when you get to the World Series, it's special. That's the other thing. I get you. When you you get to the World Series, it is special. So you have to put those seasons as like a... It's not a special list. When you talk about the Super Bowls, like getting to the Super Bowl is like a championship in itself. Getting to the World Series, you want to win it. So obviously when when you go there... You lose to a Yankee squad, yeah, that sucks. But I, I the, the way that ninety nine ended, it was so like, and that's again, mind you, the two thousand six 
You're so close to yet so far. And at least at least we were able to taste the joy of making the World Series in 2000. All right, here's my top five. All right, my top five most fun seasons as a New York Met fan. Number one, I'm not going in reverse order. Now, you know what? I'll go in reverse order. I'll try to see if I can cat down from five to one. Hold on. Let me I, let me let me think in, in front order. Right now. <laughs> 99. Okay, I got to think. Okay, number five, 1997. Mentioned that at the top. Overachieved. First time the Mets are somewhat competent. Number five, most fun season as a New York Mets fan, 1997. Number two on this list, I would go with 2006. It was a great regular season. We had some great moments in that regular season. Uh, We had a nice little bulldoze of the L.A. Dodgers in the Divisional Series, but unfortunately it ends ultimately with maybe the most painful loss in the history of the franchise, which obviously take this back a lot. And it also is the beginning of the end because we didn't see the playoffs again for nine seasons. So I'll put the 2006 Mets at number four. At number three, the 2000 Mets. We got to the World Series like you just mentioned. It sucked losing to the New York Yankees. Uh, there's a small part of me that wonders, would we have been able to beat the Atlanta Braves, like I mentioned? But the 2000 Mets are number three. The 1999 Mets are at number two. And the greatest, most fun season I've ever had was 2015. That's my top five list. What's your, if you don't want to do a list, tell me your favorite seasons in the history of your fandom of the New York Mets. I'm, I'm going to throw an oddball in there just for fun. 2012. It was a terrible season. Oh, come on. Because of Yoan. Was, and R.A. Dickey, 20 wins. Oh, yeah, that's true. that's true. You saw the emer- emergence of Matt Harvey. There were some things there that were like, oh, this team is maybe going to start. I mean, Jason Bay was terrible, but whatever. There were certain things that were just like stepping stones to 2015. And again, there were to me, there was no expectation. So there was really good moments mixed in with a terrible season. So I kind of want to put, maybe not at number five, but I don't know, I'll mention just 2012 in there. Um, I'll just give you the number one. for me. It's going to be 2006. The whole season, you had that feeling that this team was on pace to be a World Series team. I know it ended as poorly as it did, but I still have it. I have this, this crazy scenario in my head this dream scenario that Beltran actually hit a home run, walked off, and they went and beat the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. So that, to me, it's in my head. I know that never happened, but that's how good this team felt to me. The whole season felt good. And that's why 2006 is my, my favorite season of all time. The vision I have is Beltron lining just a laser beam line drive up the alley in right center field, clears the bases, Mets win. That... That's the alternate reality that I have always visioned happening <laughs> when Beltron walked up to the plate against Adam Wainwright that day. And unfortunately, it did not happen. <laughs> and we'll never know what they would have done to the Detroit Tigers. Maybe they would have beaten them. Maybe we would have had another painful World Series loss. Who the hell knows? Uh, you do bring up good points about individual seasons that add to the fun of it. In 96, the Mets had those three great offensive years from Lance Johnson, Todd Hundley, and Bernard Gilkey. In 2012, they had the R.A. Dickey season in which he won the National League Cy Young. The following year, we had the Dark Knight Matt Harvey season. And 
that definitely adds an element of fun to an, a mundane season, especially during that era of Met baseball, specifically the 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years. To have Matt Harvey was, was awesome, no doubt about it. To have R.A. Dickey was awesome, no doubt about it. It never can approach, though, being in a pennant race. It can never approach a fun season of the team being fun. So you're right about the individual performance is certainly helping, but to me, you got to be in a pennant race. Uh, if you're not, then it's just like a lost season, and you almost wasted the greatness of an R.A. Dickey or a Matt Harvey. But we appreciate you listening. If you have any thoughts to tell us your favorite seasons in Met history, obviously, if you're the, over the age of 45 or 50, it's very easy. 1986 and 1969, and there should be no debate, and you're right. But for those of us, I'd say 40 or younger, we have to nitpick and find fun seasons that do not include world championships. Email the pod anytime, the RicoB at gmail.com. Have a very, very happy and healthy new year from Rico Brody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. 